Amen. Good morning, family. Before we get started, I wanted to mention that our deeper courses are starting up, as you probably already know, I mentioned our orientation classes on the 15th at 1 o'clock. Um, it's a required to be at the orientation if you're going to take the course. Um, but we're um, a new addition is that we're doing more online, so we're going to have the ability to get a lot of the classes. You'll be able to get a lot of the classes online, but the orientation class um, is uh, is not online. It'll be it'll be here. So if you can make it, and uh, I highly recommend going through our deeper courses. They're very very helpful. In fact, people um, uh, have said over and over again it has was totally life-changing for them. So I encourage you to do that. And some of you might want to refresh your course. If it's been a while, there's been some updates. So um, I am um, in considering what I was going to speak this morning in prayer. Um, one of the, well, the, the biggest questions I'm hearing about today have to do with, you know, so much that's going on with uh, just world events and what's happening, you know, that you see on the news every day. And people are asking how, I, I think there's this sense, not think, I know that there's this sense, even around the world, we're not just talking here in the States, but around the world, there's this sense of the nearness of the coming of the Lord. And preachers all over the world are preaching and talking about the return of Jesus in a, in a new um, kind of anticipation, uh, I think, that we haven't had in, uh, in a couple of decades. And, uh, and so why are they doing that? And the reason is because what they're seeing, what we're seeing, is we're seeing things unfold that align with biblical prophecy, Bible prophecy. And because of that alignment, people are going, oh, is that what, you know, Isaiah talked about? Is that what, you know, uh, Zechariah talked about? Is that what Ezekiel talked about? Is that what John talked about in the book of Revelation? And, uh, and so what I wanted to do is um, actually today and Wednesday night, we're going to take a break from our first Corinthians just for one Wednesday. And I'm, uh, I'm going to do kind of a two-part series. Today... I'm going to try to keep it as, um, as clearly understandable to those who are not familiar with Bible prophecy as possible, but at the same time, given you, if you are a person who has studied Bible prophecy and, and it's something that you have, um, you know, have a, a passion for, for me, when I got saved, one of the very first books I read was the book of Revelation, which if you know the book of Revelation... You can't even come close to understanding it without the rest of the Bible. In fact, most of the book of Revelation is pulling from other prophets in the Old, in the Old Testament. And so it becomes actually impossible to understand it without having the rest of the Bible. But that's where I went, and it was scary. And you, you look at that, and, and you get some things, and you realize that um, the end has... a well, it's a complicated process that's happening at the end. So what I want to do is I'm going to go to Ezekiel 38. And the reason I'm going there is among really good 
Bible teachers, um, there is an emphasis right now that I believe is generated more by um, current event than it is biblical process. And, uh, and that there's a mistake in, in some of the things that are being taught. And I'm saying a mistake by really good Bible teachers. But something happened basically at, at the um, turn of the last century when at the end of the First World War, there was a, a drastic change that happened. And, uh, and the, uh, when the Ottoman Empire fell in 2024, um, there was um, in the minds of a lot of Bible teachers uh, was this idea that the Antichrist was going to rise up. It was kind of the end of the Muslim reign and all of that in their mind. And so out of, I think, um, kind of the current events of the day, they started actually believing that the Antichrist would come from the European uh, nations. In fact, a big talk when Europe started to have the 10-nation confederacy, you know, and then it grew and it went past 10, and okay, what do we do now? Well, we're, we, we're going to think, well, maybe two or three of them will drop off and we'll have 10 again. You know. And in that concept was this idea that a ruler would come, an antichrist, and, uh, and we knew it wouldn't be Christian, <laughs> it'd be antichrist, and so the idea came, not because the Bible said this, but the idea came that someone would rise up and kind of bring all the religions together into one kind of conglomerate group. And, and he would be kind of a new age guy. And, 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 and then people would all gather behind him in some way. And, uh, and, but people knew that strong Christians wouldn't follow somebody like that. And they knew that Muslims wouldn't follow anyone like that. So um, the view is that somehow the Muslim world has to be kind of destroyed because a billion and a half people are not going to be following some new age guy. And uh, strong Christians. There's over two billion of us. Um, I don't know how many are strong, but those who know the Bible would never follow a guy like that. So... So they came up with, you know, this idea that the Muslim world would be destroyed prior to the Antichrist coming and, and fit it into a scenario that there was going to be a war by the Muslim world at the beginning of or be prior to the tribulation period. And then, and then they would be kind of annihilated by God and then then would rise up kind of this, um, this European leader that would uh, then rise up. And that is so contrary what the scripture actually says. But it fit the scenario of the time. And unfortunately, there was enough for people to grab onto and say, okay, this looks like the right thing. And one of the mistakes that was made is something that if you're listening to Bible prophecy teachers today, you're finding a, a kind of an exuberance as they're talking about the war between Russia and the Ukraine. And what they're anticipating 
And I'm going to tell you, I want to I give you another scenario to this. Because I'm concerned that as some things are, are being anticipated that are not scriptural, that people are going to, you know, kind of go, well, we're expecting this. And if it doesn't happen that way, then they're going to they're gonna lose faith. And a lot of these Bible teachers are great teachers. They're great men and, and women of God who are teaching the word of God. And there are people that, you know, that really know the scriptures, but this one angle has been kind of within their teaching. Now, it's shrinking, but there's a lot of them out there still that, te- that are teaching this um, kind of scenario. And it's... Um, and, and I, how do I explain it? Uh, before we get into the text, Carol and I were with another couple. We were talking, and we were talking about um, an incident that both of us had uh, experienced together. It was, and we were, te- and uh, Carol was telling the story, and then uh, as she was telling the story, I stepped in and started te- telling the story. D- don't this isn't what couples do. I, I jumped in, and then she jumped back in, and then I jumped back in in it. And like what, when she was telling the story, I was thinking, you're leaving out a really important part, you know, which wasn't important to her, but it was to me, to the story. So I jumped in and shared it. Now listen, when you get two people together, they can experience the exact same experience and, have, and tell the story two different ways. And no one contradicting each other. Isn't that the way it works? That's the way it works in the Bible too. In fact, the stories that are told are always, there's always someone is telling part of the story and the other one is adding other parts of the story. But no one's contradicting. They are seeing the same story. They have the same story. Now, if you decide that if this person tells the story and this person tells the story, but this person's story doesn't give all the same information as this person, they cannot be telling the same story. If you come to that conclusion, then you have four Jesuses in the New Testament because we have four Gospels, and all four of the Gospels tell the story but leave certain things out that the other Gospel writer talks about, and that happens all the time. In fact, very clear stories, some what you would think are significant things are left out, yet without contradiction. They're not contradicting each other. They're just telling the same story. And, um, and if you don't understand that, you won't be able to actually interpret the book of Revelation right, in my opinion. Um, you will think that all the judgments are different. You won't un- understand the book of Daniel at all. Because Daniel repeats the same story. Chapter 2 and chapter 7 are the same story. They're just told with different angles. So if you don't understand it, you'll miss it. And this is what happens in this. In, in, the, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, and before I go further, I do want to give credit. I took a lot of my um, lists from Joel Richardson's book, and I want to give him credit for it, uh, The Middle East Beast. Um, by the way, you can actually download that book, The Middle East Beast, for free. If you just look up Joel Richardson, Middle East Beats, and, uh, and PDF, and, uh, you put, and you have the entire book, or you can buy the book, but it's a great book. Um, anyhow, Ezekiel 38, and verse 1, it says this. Now, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man... 
set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Ross, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Now, this, um, this is where there are, there are Bible teachers right now that are saying, have been saying, that um, it said, when it says, uh, set your face against Gog, he is the ruler of the land of Magog, and they'll say, that's Russia. Magog is Russia. So right now, and this is a war that comes against Israel that, that uh, Arab nations join in and come down against, Isra- uh, against Israel. And, and there's two problems to the normal, or, or you say the popular interpretation of this. The one, the one problem is that, that it's thought of as being a separate war other than one that the Bible talks about all the time throughout the Bible, talks about the Antichrist who comes down and in the book of Revelation and, uh, and Daniel and Zechariah and uh, Isaiah. And so there, this scenario is, is, is always, is right throughout the scripture. And the wrong interpretation is that, that we say that this is actually a different war. It's different, and one of the arguments is that it has things in it, in its story, that, aren't, that uh, the book of Revelation doesn't have in the Battle of Megiddo, and vice versa. The problem is that so many are the same things. There's over 16 identical uh, elements of these two wars, 16 identical elements of these two wars. Now, what happens is, and I'm, I'm, some of you are staring at me like, I don't care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share. I'm going to share why you should care. I, I'm going to tell you when we get there. Let me, let me get us there first, but I'm going to tell you what is, going, what is happening. There are two nations that are going to, that are rising up out of this battle with Russia and Ukraine that are going to benefit largely from it that are end time st- stories that are that that actually is going to set them up for actually this battle that actually happens at the end this battle that we're looking at in my opinion is the battle of Armageddon it is the same battle and 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 Gog is not a separate Russian leader it's not Putin I'm sorry it's not Putin, but it is the Antichrist, that Gog is the Antichrist. It's interesting because in the, in the book of Revelation at the end, at the end of the millennium, Gog rises up. There's a battle of Gog and Magog. It's kind of like this nobody Russian leader is at the end, in, at the end of the millennium coming up out of the grave. No, it's the Antichrist, same one. And so... Um, point is, and here's, here's, where, here's where some of the argument is. Let me, let me look at that verse again in verse 2. Son of man, set your face against Gog and the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh. Now, doesn't Rosh sound like Russia? Rosh, Russia. See? So, literally, I've read people say, because the name in English sounds like the name in 
you know, the, the English name, that it's, 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 that's why it's Russia. Because, I mean, that's a really weak argument. What, how many words in one language is completely different in, the sa- in, the, in, in another language? Same word could be used and mean totally different things. And so, and this doesn't even say that it's Russia. It, it, it says the Prince of Rosh. Now, here's the, the point. Half of the translations in English, um, half of them have it written like our, our new King James does. The old King James doesn't. That word Rosh means chief or leader. Okay? That's what that word means. Nowhere in the Bible is it translated as a, um, as, as, a, um, uh, as a name. It's always translated as chief or leader. Nowhere else in the Bible. Only in this place do some translators translate it Rosh. But if you look at the ESV there, it's a, which is a, a basically a translation from the King James and also the New King James. It says, Son of man, set your face toward Gog and the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. So instead of using it as a proper name, Rosh, it uses it as it's for, for the word that it's, it's, it means. It means chief. So the translators here say that the land of Gog, the, uh, Gog uh, of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Now, is Magog Russia or is, is, is Magog another nation? When you look at it, it says that he is the, of the chief prince of, of, um, of um, Meshach and Tubal. Now, Meshach and Tubal, we know where that is. There's not an argument on this. We know that Meshach and Tubal are in Turkey. In Turkey. And many, and, and the list is huge, of, 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 um, of uh, scholars also believe that, that Magog is actually Turkey and not Russia. And let me, let me just read uh, just a couple of them, like the Zondervan Illustrated Bible Dictionary, IVP Bible Background Commentary, the New Unger's Bible Dictionary, Zondervan Illustrated Bible Backgrounds Commentary, the Holman Bible Atlas, um, the, the Moody Atlas Bible, Zondervan Atlas Bible, and IVP Atlas Bible in History, and you could go on and on and on. And, and the list of scholars um, going back to um, the third century Christian theologian Hippolytus of Rome who said the same thing. He said Magog was uh, with this, um, he, he connected them to Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. Um, list of, of scholars like Charles Riley and Unger and uh, my, one of my favorites, Charles Fe- Feinberg. And the list can go on and on of scholars who believe this. So I want, what I want, you to th- I want you to know that because I've actually heard Bible teachers say everybody knows that Magog is Russia. And it's not true. 
and not every scholar believes that. And there's good reason, very good reason, to believe it isn't so. Now, one of the, 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 the important things to this is if you know that he is the prince, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, where's Meshach and Tubal? Well, you know where Meshach and Tubal is. Meshach and Tubal is, in fact, in Turkey, not. In fact, the list of nations that, that, that is in this war, five of the eight nations are in modern-day Turkey. Five of, the na- five of the eight nations, and the other three are south, not north. So you have, um, in verse 3, it says, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, or chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your lo- jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses, horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company, bucklers and Shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya is, uh, is, is mentioned. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya. And what I want to show you is these nations, for instance, um, Persia is first mentioned, that is, we know what that is. That's Iran. In fact, most people understand that Iranians are, are not Arabs, they're Persians. And so, um, then there's the ancient Kush, translated as Ethiopia, and is actually in a reference to the region immediately south of Egypt, referring to northern Sudan. And, 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 and Libya is included in what is now the northern African nations. So those are the three areas. It's all five in Turkey. You have, you have Iran, and then you have um, uh, southern Egypt and, nor- and the nation area of northern Africa. Nothing to do with Russia. Now it says, he says, and then Gomer... Gomer also, uh, all its troops in the house of Tagama from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. Now, um, Gomer and Tagama once were referred to, to as modern-day Turkey. And um, earlier, um, at one time, earlier in the century, there was some misunderstanding of that, and they said Gomer was, um, it, it, it was Germany. But no one believes that anymore. We, we know where it was. It was in Turkey. Now, he says, verse 7 says, Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be visited in the latter, in the latter years. He's, now he's telling us when it is. It's in the latter years. We're at the end. You will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel. Now, this prophecy couldn't even be talked about until 1948. Until Israel, for 2,000 years, spread across the world, all these, these, these people that were scattered, now God had brought them back. 
And uh, you can read about that in the uh, 38th chapter of Ezekiel. But God had promised he would bring him back, and he has brought him back. He says, uh, many peoples on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate, they were brought out of the nations, and now are all of them dwelling safely. There they are. And then he says, you will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. And thus says the Lord God, on that day it will come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind that you will, you will make an evil plan. And you will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell in safety, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither um, bars nor gates. So it's open land. Take plunder and take a booty and to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and again the, uh, the uh, people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. So it looks like this, that Magog, the Gog, who is the leader, the Antichrist, is coming down and he sees that Israel has a lot of things, a lot of resources, a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of good things to get from this country, and it's worth going to battle for. Um, it says, Sheba and Dudan and the merchants of Tarshish and, uh, and all their young lions. I'm not going to get into that. I know there are people who think that um, Tarshish is Britain. It's not, and that the young lion would be the United States. I've even shared that uh, years ago that maybe that's the United, the United States. We don't show up. I know. How could not the United States be in this mix? When you have just the Ottoman Empire that lasted about 800 years and the Byzantine Empire that lasted about 1,400, well, it would have been 1,100 years. How could they not think about the United States? We've been, we've been a world power for at least 100 years. Get, get the sense of history here. Get the sense of God is looking down over, over the nations and he sees them a little different than we do from our Western worldview. And so um, he says, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to God, Thus says the Lord God, On that day when my people Israel dwell safely, you will, not know, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, and, and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses in great company uh, and, a mighty, and, and a mighty army. And you will come up against the people of Israel like a cloud to cover the land. I will be in the latter, uh, it will be in the latter days that I will bring you against the land so that the nations may know me. Get that? So the nations may know me when I am hollowed in you, O God, before their eyes. Now, I'm going to show you a, a, a world, uh, a global map. And I show you this global map because when you get a flat map of the world, um, it, 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 the angles, um, let's see, I'm going, I'm pointing at you guys. Okay. Um, if, you, if you can see, you can see Turkey right here. And right down here is Israel. Little old Israel's right there. And if you go north 
what do you hit? Now, if you're looking at a flat map, you won't get that. You won't get that because the way it's, uh, and this is what, the, this is a mistake people make, is they'll look at a flat map and not realize that you're missing the angles and you don't get it right. And so if you look at a flat map, you'll see right here, you'll see Israel and you'll see it, it'll go right up to Russia. See, it'll go north. But here's north, right there, right there. Here's Istanbul right over, right over here. So Israel's here. It, this is north. If you go straight up is Ankara, which was a, um, a, a major city in Turkey. So um, what, when he says the, that the people from the north, you're, the army from the north is going to be coming down to Israel, this makes sense. This makes sense because you have Meshach and Tubal was right there in Turkey. And by the way, the, all the seven churches in the book of Revelation are from Turkey. All of them. Ephesus, um, you know, Thyatira, all of them. So, um, so he says, now he says this, Thus says the Lord God, you are he of whom I have spoken in former days. Now, listen to this verse because I think it's also a key verse. Thus says the Lord God, you are he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them. You can look at all the writings prior to Ezekiel, even after, but prior to Ezekiel, you will not find Gog and Magog. You won't find Russia. In any of the messages, you, you will not find this separate war that that um, people talk about that is prior to the tribulation period. You will not find it. And yet right here, what does God say? I've been, I've been speaking to the people about this for years. All the prophets talk about it. You know what the prophets were talking about? We know what the prophets were talking about. They were talking about the Antichrist and the end times, the beast empire. All the prophets were talking about that. They weren't talking about some separate Russian war that was coming. You see? So he says, no, this is the one. What is happening here is what I've been talking about for all this time, for years. And then he says, and it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. And for in my jealousy and in fire and my wrath I have spoken, surely in that day there shall be great, a great earthquake in the land of Israel. Now, if there is a great earthquake in the land of Israel when the Gog-Magog war, if it's a separate war, then you have this great earthquake that does all this damage, the great earthquake... And then you have seven years later another great earthquake that does all the damage. It doesn't happen that way. 
Look what it says as it goes on. Verse 20 says, So that the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep on the earth and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall, be, shall fall to the ground. This is a big earthquake. But if you go to the book of Revelation when it's talking about the Antichrist kingdom, as the Antichrist comes down, look what it says. And the seventh angel poured out the bowl into the air, and the loud voice came out of the temple of heaven, and the throne saying, it is done. And there were noises and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now, and the mountains fall and all of that too. So do the mountains fall like at the beginning of tribulation, and then seven years later they all fall again with this great earthquake? Or is this the same event? Look at verse 21. And I will call for a sword against Gog without all, throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. And I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. And I will rain down on him, on, on his troops, and on many peoples who are with him, flooding Flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. I mean, that's the same thing. It's the same event. And thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. When does that happen? Seven years before? And then the Antichrist takes over the whole thing, and then, then, then it happens again. At the end of the tribulation? No. The, the, there's, not this, there's not this repetitive work. I want you to notice a couple of things. Um, in, in Ezekiel 38, 23 and, uh, and, 20 and 39, 7, uh, it says about God's name. God's name will never again be blasphemed. So it's saying, and if you believe that the Magog War is at the beginning of tribulation, then you have to believe that God's name is never going to be blasphemed again. And yet the whole Antichrist kingdom is about blaspheming the name of the Lord. You see that? It says, so I will show my greatness, verse 38, so I show my greatness, my holiness, and make myself known in the eyes of many nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. And my holy name will, I will make known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let my holy name be profane. Now, we know that through the entire tribulation period, God's name is profane. So you can't, if, if you put it at the beginning, you got, I'm just showing you some of the problems. Surviving nations will come to the saving knowledge of God. It says that in verse 6, 39.6, says, I will send fire on Magog and on those who dwell securely in the Kosan, and they shall know that I am the Lord, and the nation shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. So the nations know, and then just a few years after, they're denying the Lord and they're, they're siding up with the Antichrist? I don't think so. He says, I will pour out his spirit on Israel. He says, and, and, and uh, he says in Ezekiel 39, 29, I will not hide my face anymore from them when I pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, declares the Lord. Um, there's survivors. 
will come to know the Lord in Ezekiel 39:22, and, and, and uh, Israel will dwell securely in their land forever in Ezekiel 39:26. So if the Ezekiel war is different than the Battle of Armageddon, you've got, you've got Israel getting saved, you've got Ezekiel, um, you've got the children of, of it, the nations coming to know the Lord, you've got no one blasphemies the Lord anymore. Are you getting the picture? I'm just, I know, I, I have more, but we'll stop there. I want to talk about what this means. If what I am not saying, I'm not saying that Russia doesn't do anything. I don't know what Russia does. But I can tell you this, it's not what the Bible is talking about in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Now, Russia can do some stuff, they can do some bad stuff. Um, but, and there is a conflict. But I believe, and that this, is, this is not from the scriptures, it's from I, what I know is going to happen. And this could be the impetus for what is going to happen. What is going to happen is Israel is going to get richer and richer. There's going, to be, there's going to be financial blessing. And it already has happened, but not at the level yet. And Turkey is going to be a main player. And for that to happen, it looks like that is actually what's taking place. What you have right now is that there's, a, there's been for quite a long time um, an issue with Turkey and Russia. And um, if you put up the number two uh, slide, we, we have a, a picture here. We have a, um, as, as you take a look, I want you to see this. This is the Black Sea, and this is Russia. And, uh, and right here is a major issue between Russia and, uh, and Turkey. And it's a source of conflict. They've had to work together but Turkey can't stand Russia, and Russia can't stand Turkey because of what happens right there. Give me the next slide. There are two straits, these straits that are in Turkey. And anyone, any of these countries that are, uh, their, their outlet is the Black Sea, the only way they can get to the rest of the world in the Mediterranean is to come through these straits. Russia can do it with icebreakers, incredibly expensive on the northern shore, but they, they, can't, they can't reach the world that way. So what they have to do is go through these straits. After the First World War, there was a, um, uh, th there was a treaty, and, uh, and, and, and Turkey agreed to um, allowing any of these countries to come through, that they would not block these, but they had some authority and some rule. For one, only a limited amount of military um, ships can get into, the, into this area at any one time. The other thing is, in the, uh, the, is that they have a right to inspect all the ships that come through and make sure, and, and they're, they're, they're in charge. It's their... It's their waterway. It's their port. But they have to let them in. And in the treaty, they could not charge anyone. So give me the next, um, the next one. So what, what they're doing is Turkey right now is building a canal. 
this is, they're, they're building a canal. In fact, they're turning Istanbul into an island. Why would they do that? They already have this waterway because they can't charge. But what they can do is they can slow this down so long that nobody will want to go through it and they'll be more than happy to pay. That's, where, that's what they're doing right now. There's a, they're, they're building it. They started the process, but they know that they're getting pushed back from Russia. But as Russia gets in the weeds of the battle, and as Russia's economy starts to drop, one of the, the, the country that benefits the most is, in fact, Turkey. So uh, underneath what's going on on the news, the Russia thing, what you're not seeing is what's going on with the nation that the Bible says is the nation that is going to be led by the Antichrist. That because what this is, what is this? What's Istanbul? This, this city was this city was a capital city of three empires. No other city can even come close. Three empires. The Roman Empire on the, the eastern side when it was Constantinople. The Byzantine Empire for, and the Ottoman Empire. All three of those, of those empires had their, their capital here in this city. It is a major city because it is also going to be the capital, in my opinion, of the Antichrist kingdom. The Ottoman Empire is going to restore. It went down in 2024, and uh, Ottawa has 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 he's put in all the plans, and he has desires, and he's actually proclaimed that they're going to bring it back in. I, I said 2024. It went down in um, 1924, and it's coming back. And he claims it's going to come back 100 years later in 2024. So. Um, give me the next slide. This slide shows what's going on in Syria. And this is a big deal with Israel. Right now, Israel and Russia have conflict. Israel is going into Syria and they're defending themselves. They're bombing Iranian um, you know, uh, military uh, places. And, and wherever they're getting hit, they're coming back. They're going down into Syria and, uh, and attacking um, Assyrian, Syria. Now, what has happened is Russia's in Syria. Russia's in Syria because of the ports. See, they, they don't have a port to the Mediterranean. They have to go through Turkey. And so what do they do? Well, they, they're able to fly things in and then use the port. So it's an advantage for them. And they're heavily guarded there. So you have, um, you have Turkish sites there you have um, uh, in, in, in this whole area you have military bases and two of the biggest well Iran Turkey and Russia are the big ones that are in there in, in Syria and, and uh, Russia has said that, that they see they, they, they're, they, they're giving Israel a, a big problem because what they want is they're saying Israel cannot have rulership of the Golan Heights. See, they, the Golan Heights is Israel's protection from Syria and the west of the, the, the Muslim world in, in many ways because they can lob military. They've taken it 
and now they're not giving it back. And Russia is demanding that they give back. Russia will not accept that the Golan Heights are in fact Israel's and claiming they're Syria's because they've got control of Syria with the Iranians. And Russia, I mean, and Israel is not going to not defend themselves. So let me, let me place just a couple of thoughts in your head about this. Russia's kind of busy right now, militarily, economically. Israel, Israel right now, they have to defend themselves. And at some point, they're going to have to go against Iran. And they can't go against Iran without, um, you know, if they think Russia is going to attack them, or at least there's a hesitancy. But at some point, they have to act. They cannot let Iran get a nuclear weapon. Things change. Everything changes if Iran gets a nuclear weapon. And so Israel knows that, and, and uh, Russia doesn't care. They, they, they're fine with it. And so what, what's going to happen is there's going to be major conflict between. There's another issue that is, that, and this is one of the reasons why Russia has been giving Israel a big problem. Israel, about a decade ago, I don't know if I got my timing right, found a huge, in the Mediterranean, a huge reservoir of natural gas. Huge. And in fact, it could, it could come close to sustaining all of Europe. They have Turkey, of all people, now, Turkey has tried to get uh, Israel to run a pipeline from Israel to Turkey because Turkey has pipelines that go through all Europe and all around, go to Turkey, and then Turkey would dispel it. Israel doesn't want to deal with Turkey. Turkey has not been friendly to them, but Turkey wants that to happen, and they're trying to negotiate. Israel wants to go to Egypt. They want to go that way. And um, they're, 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 they want to go to Egypt. I'm sorry, that way. And, uh, and, and do it from Egypt. President Biden has said no to Israel because he, I, he's, he's kind of, well, one, he doesn't want Turkey to be axed out as a NATO nation. And second of all, he's concerned about Russia getting upset because if Israel feeds all of Europe with natural gas, guess what happens to Israel? They become wealthy. Exactly. Exactly. So, the two things that you see, the two nations that rise, that get benefited from this war the most economically are Turkey and Israel. And folks, I think that that's what you can look for. Now, does that mean Russia's not going to do something? Uh, they probably will. You know, you know you, you, they're unpredictable, aren't they, right now? And so, yeah, I think Russia will be do, do, doing stuff. But, but they are not going to get a coalition of Muslim nations to come against Israel. That's not what's going to happen. And uh, so, as you're looking at the prophetic, pathetic, prof, prof, it's not pathetic, it's <laughs> prophetic <laughs> scenarios, um, you can kind of see some of that as you're, 
you're doing. Now, Wednesday night, I'm going to get into deeper on, on all of this, and you'll get a little bit more that I can't do on a Sunday morning time-wise uh, and uh, because of, if you're interested, uh, Wednesday night would be a good place to get more of this. We're going to talk about Bible prophecy. Well, I guess the main thing is what God says he's going to do, it actually happens. And all we have to do is find out what God said he's going to do. And we'll know what's going down the road. And I'm, I'm, as I'm looking at it, um, I have great anticipation of what's coming in the Lord's return. But more than that, Jesus is awaking the church in the last days. That's another whole prophetic element that we have to be aware of. That the Holy Spirit, we, we need to be looking for more miracles happening. They are happening. That means this. We need to get bigger prayers. Start, start, start praying bigger prayers because in this season, he's pouring out his spirit. I guess at this time, we have communion. And uh, I've gone a little while, so I want to do this. If you need to go, feel free to do that. We dismiss. But those of you who would like to remain for communion as the ushers... Uh, are getting ready to hand out communion and we lift our hearts to the Lord. Let's, um, let's anticipate God touching our lives now. How many just, you know, I'm not asking for hands, but many of you might have, you, you need a healing in your body. There's, you need God to touch your body. Communion is a great time to anticipate the healing touch of God as we take communion. So as we just do that, enter into the presence of the Lord and worship. And let's uh, look for God to do the mighty work that he does in our lives.
And Lord, um, as you requested that we come to this point as we, Lord, are remembering, Lord, your sacrifice that you made for us, revisiting it, Lord, in our heart, knowing its tremendous power to change our lives, to forgive our sins, to make us children of the living God. So, Lord, we come today in remembrance of the night that you were to be betrayed when you took that bread and you broke it. And you said, this is my body, which is given for you. Lord, we take the bread because you gave it your, your life for us. Then we take the cup, Lord, knowing that it's a new covenant of your blood. We, Lord, are remembering the blood that you shed for us that cleanses us from all of our sin. And today, as followers of you, we are able to stand here, Lord, with full assurance that our sins are forgiven that we're right be before you, God, because of the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your cleansing touch, Lord. Oh. 